0: You're listening to The Chamber Connection, a monthly podcast from your Fargo-Moorhead-West Fargo Chamber of Commerce, where we go behind the scenes to talk about business, community, and leadership and discover what's going on around town and shaping our future. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of The Chamber Connection. I'm your host, Darren Dunlop. We are so glad that you are tuning in to the premiere of this show, and we're so excited to be here. I'm honored to welcome our first guest to the show, Eric Hardmeyer, who is joining me by phone today. Eric is a North Dakota native and serves as president of the Bank of North Dakota, which is the only state-owned bank in the entire country with a really unique story. Eric is gonna talk to us about their role in our state's businesses receiving the most number of PPP loans per business per capita in the United States. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure, thanks for having me. Your organization is actually quite remarkable you're the only state-owned bank in the entire country, and to this credit, your role in providing resources and funding during the COVID crisis has been key to our state's small businesses receiving the most PPP loans per capita. How in the world did this success happen?
1: Well, yeah, thanks for the question. Um, and while it's it's flattering to have that kind of attention, um, you know, the the real... Success of you know PPP in North Dakota uh, number and the people uh, accessing it really belongs to the uh, community banks of North Dakota and they, the credit unions. They're the ones who actually made the loans, worked with their customers, um, and so you know, in my view, they're the real heroes in um, making sure that North Dakota businesses had access to the PPP program, the Payroll uh, Protection Program. We did. We did play a role, um, and you know, it's an important role. I think as you think about the Bank of North Dakota and, and the relationship that we have with, you know, the North Dakota financial institutions. Um, so what we have done, and throughout the whole, you know, pandemic, throughout the whole crisis, is, um, you know, we've provided a forum, uh, a, a forum that we've had in place for you know years, um, which is a monthly call-in program for all of the North Dakota bankers, uh, credit unions, uh, and economic developers. And we have provided them, you know, uh, timely topics for discussion um, and and just have done that as part of our service to uh, North Dakota banks and credit unions. Um, But what we found during the uh, pandemic and through the real early weeks of this crisis and... um, you know, the rollout of the PPP program is we could use that relationship that we have with these banks and put them, you know, in in tight communication with those decision makers rolling out the PPP program. So that, of course, included, uh, you know, folks like Alan Hout from SBA, uh, of course, our congressional delegation. And, you know, we took that monthly forum and made it into a weekly forum. And we had, you know, 500 to 600 bankers, uh, economic developers, credit union folks, calling in on a weekly basis saying, how does this work? You know, giving them direct communication with the officials who are rolling out the program. So I think that really was, you know, what made, you know the bank of north dakota special in this case was was providing that you know vital communication link between the the, the bankers who were going to roll out the program and you know sba uh, fema the congressional delegation all those that were providing assistance on the uh the national level so um i think that in in of itself was probably the most important role that we had up to the point of rolling out our own programs um, was just to provide that vital communication link and as we have talked to others around the country that didn't occur in other states that that link that communication link did not occur directly between sba and the providers of the program so uh, i think that was very helpful in getting the message out getting the, the working knowledge out on how these programs work so th- that I think uh, was the big benefit of the Bank of North Dakota at that point.
0: Uh, so I guess what I'm gathering it's it was a collaborative effort from from the Bank of North Dakota, the local lenders, on um, the le- uh, the legislative folks from the national, but also Governor Burgum's office. Of course,
1: yeah, yeah, and, and I, I will tell you that you know the, the PPP program is is you know an unbelievable program. Um, unlike anything that I've ever seen in my 35 years at the bank of North Dakota. Um, but what the, the federal government figured out is something that we have known for years at the bank of North Dakota, that if you're going to provide disaster relief, you know, financing programs, the best and easiest way to do that is through the, you know, the, uh, banking channels. Um, they have the customer contact, they have the systems, um, And, you know, they have the technology to do this. So, um, yeah, the federal government uh, figured out something that we have known for years in terms of, uh, you know, the most efficient uh, way to provide uh, disaster financing. And the community banks really did, uh, really did come to, uh, you know, provide a spectacular service here for North Dakota businesses.
0: One of the things that I found uh, very interesting in the post article, um, uh, this is a quote from from the article. It said, "Small businesses in North Dakota were uh, secured more PPP funds relative to the state's workforce than their competitors in any other state. More than five thousand dollars per private sector worker, as of May eighth, according to the Washington Post analysis. That's uh, that is quite a feat." And uh, maybe that's one reason why the state of North Dakota has has seemed to uh, um, kind of handled the uh, the COVID epidemic a little bit better than maybe some other states.
1: Yeah, I, I think the real key to that is you know the the uh, the banking community in this state is dominated really by you know the the community banking structure as opposed to maybe the large corporate banking structures you'd see in other states. And, um, you know, I guess my view is that they're both important, but the community banks, you know, you know, have a, a stake in their community, uh, have a stake in their customers, and um, really, you know, put everything aside that they were working on to concentrate solely on getting the money out to their their customers because they saw at the end of the day um, what was important to their customers also benefited their community in a significant way. Because after all, that's what makes, you know, communities thrive is, you know, a thriving business community. So, um, yeah, I think they were really able to to understand the importance of providing that assistance to their borrowers.
0: You know, and I, I will say we have a lot of banking partners in, uh, in, in the Fargo-Moorhead, West Fargo areas and across the state. And I, I would... I would argue there is not one of them that complained about not being busy during this pandemic, and that's probably a lot of that. Thanks goes to you and uh, and the delegation that really helped pr- push for the PPP program.
1: Yeah, I, I, as again, uh, again, I think the uh, you know the, the banks out there really understand their role in their communities um, and have played just a vital role in um, you know not only delivering our programs but also uh you know the federal programs and really understanding the needs um, of their customers so at, at the very beginning of the rollout of the ppp program you know we had a lot of discussions with the banks out there and and just the teams that they were putting together um you know to really you know put this program out there to their customers was impressive you know, working weekends, late nights, you know, whatever it took to make sure that, you know, we got our fair share of, you know, a finite amount of PPP money that was put out initially. So um, it it was just really understanding that we could make a difference on the front end of this.
0: Great. So, Eric, uh, moving on um, now, as as we are hopefully on the back end of this of, of the COVID COVID epidemic, um, and we're restarting businesses in North Dakota now. What factors are the Bank of North Dakota focusing in on, um, and and keeping everybody abreast as to what keep them up to date and prepared for the next for the next phase?
1: Well, yeah, I, I think a lot of the same information that you see out of uh, you know Commerce, um, the governor's office, his his daily uh, news or now weekly news conferences is you know looking at, you know, what are the numbers, how are they coming in? Um, uh, are people, you know, behaving in a way that is, you know, responsible? Um, what is the impact to businesses? Um, and, you know, how can we help at the Bank of North Dakota? Um, I think that is one of the unique features of the bank is that when we see issues and problems, you um, you know, we go toward them, not away from them. Um, and so we're looking at, you know, the data um, and trying to figure out what role the Bank of North Dakota can play in really, you know, this, this um, you know, recovery phase. Uh, you know, the PPP program um, was out there to uh, keep um, businesses with their employees intact. We saw our role going forward after that to provide um, with our two programs to provide needed working capital um, so that, you know, companies had uh, uh, money to sustain operations going forward. So, um, you know, directly what we're looking at are, um, you know, the the opening, the the restart of North Dakota, what that looks like, who's uh, impacted, uh, you know, adversely, um, and how can we roll up our sleeves and and help that particular uh, group. Uh, so there there are definitely things that we are seeing, um, areas that were hurt more than others. We unfortunately had, you know, at the same time as the pandemic, we had uh, the downturn on the energy side. So, you know, we continue to look at um, the impact to the state's economy um, as oil prices actually slid into negative numbers uh, and what that meant for you know the energy side of things in North Dakota, so you know just a whole host of things uh,
0: that we look at. Eric, one of the things that um, that I, I was aware that Bank of North Dakota does, uh, but I would really like a little bit more of an explanation from you is um, your your student loan program. We're hearing a lot of that's it's very hot topic in the United States now with student loan debt uh, mounting and mounting higher education becoming more and more expensive. Um, could you uh, fill us in a little bit on the on the student loan program that the Bank of North Dakota does?
1: Oh, sure. Yeah, that's it's an interesting story. Um, so the, the Bank of North Dakota has a really rich and long history with the uh, student loan industry. In fact, the Bank of North Dakota made the first federally insured student loan in the nation back in uh, 1967. Um, and so our history with, you know, providing uh, financing to, uh, you know, students going to higher ed uh, institutions is as long as anybody's in the nation. Um, it's not longer, of course. Um so we, we began this in 1967 and really understood that if North Dakota is going to continue to, uh, you know, have a educated and diverse workforce, um, you know, uh, financing education is an important role. And so we saw that early back in, you know, the mid-1960s um, and uh, have continued to, you know, work through the federal programs, um, which then um, discontinued, actually, in 2010 as part of the uh, Health Care Act that was uh, implemented under the Obama administration. That was all taken back by the, uh, by the Department of Education, but the Bank of North Dakota continues um, with its own student loan program uh, called the DEAL program, the Dakota Educational Alternative Loan Program, And so we have continued to uh, provide a student loan financing program that really fills in the the gaps in and around uh, the federal programs, the uh, scholarship programs. Um, You know, as an example, if you went to, uh, as a freshman, you went to NDSU, you know the 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 cost all in for one year is probably close to twenty to twenty two thousand. As a freshman, you can borrow uh, from the federal government's programs somewhere around five thousand five hundred dollars. So, you have a pretty significant uh, gap there that you need to fill. Um, and whether you know your parents have saved for you using you know the Bank North Dakota's College Save Program or you're on a scholarship of some sort, academic or athletic, you know, there still is, you know, a pretty significant uh, gap to cover. And the Bank of North Dakota, since uh, 1999, has sought to fill that gap with, you know, our own student loan program. And today we do, you know, somewhere around a billion one, a billion two in student loans um, that we do, aside and separate from the federal government program. So it, it all gets back to the belief that you know an educated workforce is important to the economic development of the state of North Dakota. So it's it's one of those kind of uh, pillars that we build the uh, the Bank of North Dakota around.
0: Eric, I guess a quick question I would have on that is: is that are the loans available to North Dakota residents who go to school in North Dakota, or? can they go out of state or is it available for out of state students who go to college here? Just, to, just for some clarification.
1: Well, the answer to that is yes. Um, it's available to, uh, you know, anybody who goes to school in North Dakota at any of our institutions, uh, public or private. Um, and it is also available to uh, North Dakotans who go to school outside of our borders. Um, so in, in both cases, it is available. We also, uh, Market this somewhat on a regional basis and make it available, um, you know, to our surrounding uh, states as well, uh, Minnesota, South Dakota, and in Montana. So it's a bit more of a regional player, and we we knew that because we, we did that because we you know it's important with the border uh, towns that we're able to uh, you know finance um, you know those students uh, closely uh, proximate
0: in proximity to North Dakota. Um, you know, I'd like to backtrack just a little bit here. Um, you know, with the bank of North Dakota being a hundred years old as of last year, I believe, um, there's gotta be, I, I would love to fill in our listeners a little bit about the history of the organization. Could you give us kind of a brief history lesson of the bank of North Dakota? Sure.
1: Love to. Yeah. So as you mentioned, um, the Bank of North Dakota is uh, 101 years old. We celebrated our 100th year in, in uh, 2019. And of course, you know, the real roots of, of the bank go back into, um, you know, about 1915, 16, 17. Um, you know, there was actually a, a progressive movement uh, sweeping, you know, the upper Midwest, sweeping the country at the time. Um, and at you know, also in North Dakota, there was a, a feeling of you know kind of great despair amongst the uh, agricultural producers. Um, North Dakota was a you know a significant agrarian state at that point, point. Um, and really, you know, they felt at that time that we were being taken advantage of by you know the big money center banks, you know, located in New York, Chicago, even Minneapolis. Uh, they also felt that the grain traders, you know, in Minneapolis, Chicago, were taking advantage of uh, North Dakotans, and so you know there was a a very charismatic uh, individual by the name of A. C. Townley, who really was uh, you know quite an organizer, who who really you know put the masses together, did a lot of uh, town hall meetings, you know, um, preaching uh, that you know, North Dakota needed to take control of its own destiny. And, you know, along with that, uh, he was able to form, uh, along with significant others, what's called the Nonpartisan League, or a separate political party, aside from the Democrats and Republicans. And, uh, you know, swept into office, really uh, took control of the legislature and passed, you know, in in uh, you know the 1919 session the industrial program which uh, included uh, the creation of the Bank of North Dakota the state mill and elevator and what is now known as you know WSI or workforce safety and insurance so you know those three entities are still you know um, in operation today you know, the and Elevator is, as I understand it, you know, the largest and Elevator in the country, um, uh, WSI providing, you know, great services uh, today uh, for workforce uh, insurance, and of course, the Bank of North Dakota, what we do, you know, is to finance economic development throughout the state. So um, that really is the startup of it, is 100 years ago, just a a need of North Dakotans to control you know our own destiny um and you know over the years of course it has morphed and changed to uh, fit with the times uh and that's that's the uh that's the history and you know initially in in 1920 it was a it was a really rocky history with you know the recall of the whole industrial commission a uh an attempt to uh put the bank of north dakota back to a, a vote of the people, uh, which had survived. Um, so, just a really interesting, you know, history um, dating back a hundred
0: years ago. Eric, uh, Eric, you would uh, uh, when we when we visited, uh, we talked about the role that the Bank of North Dakota plays in in times of disaster, um, and I found that very interesting because the 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 history of the Bank of North Dakota also ties into. Um, the history of disasters in the state of North Dakota, and I would love it if you could maybe uh, uh, elaborate on that as well.
1: Sure. Um, You know, so I've been at the bank for 35 years, so, you know, more than a third of its history. Um, And I I could tell you that the uh, real first opportunity to look at uh, assisting with, you know, disaster recovery really came in nineteen ninety seven um, with the flood in Grand Forks, uh, followed by just a you know horrible uh, uh, year for the ag side of things as well, with uh, you know massive blizzards, uh, cattle losses, um, um, and so it was John Holman, who you know Senator John Holman was president of the bank of North Dakota at the time. And he and I uh, traveled up to Grand Forks um, to really understand and appreciate, uh, you know, the, the depths of the problems up there, and to uh, understand what role the Bank of North Dakota could play in, you know, financing the recovery in Grand Forks, and then also uh, what we could do to help on the agricultural side of things. Um, as, as we came through that really nasty year of, of, uh, spring of 97. Um, and so that really began, uh, was the genesis of the bank of North Dakota, uh, looking at its role in financing, you know, disaster recovery. And, you know, throughout the years, throughout, you know, the early 2000s, um, you know, North Dakota was plagued off and on with, uh, many different agricultural disasters we've had tornadoes we've had floods in minot and bismarck uh, you know in fargo and so we have uh, looked at our role in um, supporting you know the ag community the business community and you know quite frankly uh, the political subdivisions that they have you know had challenges with city infrastructure um and also financing State government as it relates to disaster uh, with, you know, emergency services providing lines of credit um, where needed. So uh, I, I think what what I have understood is, you know, the Bank of North Dakota, its ability to be, you know, nimble and flexible and to have money readily available uh, with, you know, vast amounts of liquidity, you know, can, can play a role in um, you know a state can, can respond quicker and faster by by having you know this kind of entity so you know we that's really how we we began our role and continue to see it you know now playing out with um, you know this uh, pandemic crisis so when when this came and in, in of course 2020 the uh, whole Covid crisis, we had a blueprint. We understood, you know, what the what the needs were going to be, um, because we've been at this now for you know almost 25 years, understanding what the needs are and how to how to play in such a crisis. Now, of course, this was uh, on a scale that we've never seen before, but you know, the basic premise and framework was there in terms of how to uh, how to provide financing during a recovery. So uh, that's that's really our
0: history of it. Eric, I, I, I just want to follow back on that on on the horrible spring of 97. Um, so are, are so when you were talking about the nimbleness of the Bank of North Dakota, and I, I understand that, you know, Grand Forks would have or did qualify for federal assistance. But when you talk about being nimble, does that mean you can get money? to that area much faster than what the federal government can for you know to help and assist right away
1: well, in some cases yes um where they were waiting for money to come in we could provide you know lines of credit until that money came in um but in other cases you know whether it was sba or fema providing you know their disaster programs you know we were able to uh, you know uh supplement or or um you know, provide additional financing um, that other states wouldn't be able to do nearly as quickly as we could because we've already had this relationship with the banks out there who could act as our delivery channel. Um, and so, just the structure of the bank and the relationships that we've had really enabled us to um, to really think about how we can, you know, put our resources to use in a way that is, you know, responds quicker to the needs. So I, I think just just the unique nature of the bank um, and its relationship with the financial uh, sector really allows this to happen much quicker.
0: Eric, one of the things that I found really interesting when I was uh, reading about the Bank of North Dakota was that um, – Yes, the disaster, you've really taken the disaster relief to a new level um, since 1997. Uh, but it, you know, the assistance of disaster really goes back even into the 30s and into the Great Depression. And coming from an ag background, I was very interested in, in, in hearing about how the Bank of North Dakota really worked with with farmers and tenants back in the 30s um and I was hoping that maybe you could just uh, elaborate a little bit on that
1: yeah and that that wasn't so much a disaster program as we've you know described here lately, but you know what what that really was was the bank of North Dakota was a uh, you know significant provider of you know farm real estate loans back in the twenties and thirties you know that as I mentioned earlier that that formed the you know foundation or the beginning of the Bank of North Dakota, and the need for the Bank of North Dakota was to make sure that ag loans were provided. Um, so we had been active, or the bank had been active, you know, in the 20s and early 30s in providing that type of financing. And of course, you know, we all know what happened in the 30s was, of course, you know, the, the you know, the Great Depression, followed by, you know, years of drought and uh, significant hardship for the ag community. And so the Bank of North Dakota at that point, and I think really the point you're making is, um, you know, maybe unlike other banks at the time, instead of just simply foreclosing and taking the property and reselling it, um, the bank at that time, you know, went through the foreclosure process, but instead of, you know, taking the land and reselling it, uh, continued to work with the landowner and said, "Here's what we'll do: is we'll take the property, we'll lease it back to you, and then give you an opportunity, you know, to buy it back." And and I think that's really, uh, you know, what made this bank different, and probably in the eyes of most North Dakotans at the time, is you know this is different. This was different than any other financial institution would have done things back in the 30s is to, you know, work with the farmer to allow them to stay on the land and to repurchase. And, you know, that is a lesson that, you know, we continue to, you know, learn and live that, you know, we are different. We are special. And, and, uh, you know, it is something unique to North Dakota. And uh, that's, you know, the whole heart of, of what we do is to think about how we can make things different and better in North
0: Dakota um you know every day I absolutely love that Eric that's uh that's uh, that's uh I bet there's a lot of family farms that uh had it been in a different state uh, probably wouldn't still be family farms so thanks to the Bank of North Dakota I very much appreciate that and one fight I do have one final thing that I wanted to ask about the disaster and this and once again this isn't necessarily a disaster but um um How were you guys involved with the the Standing Rock pipeline um, uh, episode that went on and the protests and and all of the financing that needed to be done for that?
1: Well, yeah, Um, that was an interesting chapter, of course, in in our history. Um, You're referring to the uh, DAPL uh, pipeline, Code Access Pipeline. Um, So... We at the Bank of North Dakota were never involved directly in the financing of the, the pipeline. That was done through a consortium of other banks, uh, uh, larger banks, um, that that put the financing together for, for the pipeline. So, you know, most people uh, think that we had something to do with the financing of the pipeline. Uh, we didn't. I think where the issue came into play is that the Bank of North Dakota, you know, did finance, you know, emergency services, uh, emergency management services, which included, you know, law enforcement activity. Um, we always have seen that as part of our role, that we are here to finance, um, you know, state government also in its needs. And, um, you know, we have had lines of credit out to uh, emergency management for, you know, uh, decades. Um and when they needed money uh, to provide assistance for, you know, law enforcement activity, supplies, that type of thing, um, that, of course, is what we felt as part of our mission is to finance, you know, government and its needs. So um, it wasn't a question of, of uh, you know, should we do this or not. This, of course, is something that we uh, are, you know, felt that this is, why we were created uh, part of our uh, reason to be there is to finance uh, government whatever its needs are. Um, so, you know, that's the role that we played. And of course, you know, as that word got out that the bank of North Dakota was financing, um, you know, um, law enforcement response. Um, uh, you know, we did see, uh, some protest kind of movements around our property, um, from time to time. And, you know,
0: had to deal with it uh, as you would expect us to. Eric, uh, you know, as 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 you touched on a little bit earlier, but um, as everybody is aware, the the ag sector, which is a huge part of the North Dakota economy, is has been struggling for the past couple of years. Um, what is your position, and what is the position on uh, the Bank of North Dakota for uh, for all of our for for all of our ag? leaders and 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 those farmers that are out there
1: yeah so you know immediately I can tell you that we certainly understand um, you know the issues that have been uh, presented to you know the the ag community whether it was a disastrous uh, you know fall um, harvest uh, weather um, even the spring of course we've seen a lot of acres that are not being able to be planted uh, because of the wet conditions. And, you know, as I said, student loans is one of the pillars that we were built on, so is agriculture. And um, uh, we have, over the years, you know, put together uh, farm disaster programs. In fact, we put one together last December, uh, after we understood what the issues were, um, what the federal government response is going to be, and put together what we call a farm disaster program allowing for, you know, people in the egg sector to, you know, refinance, stretch out payments, provide additional working capital at, you know, below market rates of interest. Um, And we we have done that off and on for uh, at least, you know, two decades now and and came back out with a program in, you know, late uh, December, January of this year to assist with, the ag community so we, we certainly have always understood that that is you know a part a big part of the bank of north dakota and you know we'll always be there for you know our ag producers as they you know struggle with weather commodity prices um you know unfair trade issues um, you know bnd will will continue to be there to support agriculture
0: eric uh you know, it's uh, it's it, it's interesting. One, I guess, a question I have is why is the Bank of North Dakota the only state-run bank in the country? That that it, it appears like yeah. you, what you guys do is so valuable and important to our state. Why why aren't other states doing it, or why can't they?
1: Well, you know, it's an interesting question, and it's going to be a lengthy answer. Um, I I would tell you that. You know, this model, um, you know, answered specifically is, you know, a lot of times, you know, you get the word socialism uh, interjected with uh, the Bank of North Dakota. And, you know, there's just a lot of uh, fear, concern, um, legitimate, you know, not legitimate in terms of that term. Um, and, I, you know, there, there's certain headwinds. Um, that are, are going to be naturally there. As you think about having a state-owned bank, um, you typically would have, um, you know, the banking associations um, would would not be, uh, you know, in other states would not be in favor of this. They would they would raise the flag of unfair uh, competitive advantages. You would have. Um, you know the big money center banks who would lose um, the opportunity to bid on state deposits uh, against it you would have regulators that are thinking that well now we have a whole other hybrid that we're not used to dealing with um, and so there's just a lot of uh, headwinds that you know play against this type of model being um, created to begin with um, And so I think that's, you know, one of the bigger issues is is trying to get over that particular problem. Um, But I I will say, though, that since 2008, this has become a model that um, more and more is being looked at around around the country. Um, And this really started after the... uh, course the 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 great recession 2008 2009 when a lot of states were uh, looking at their budget problems looking at you know other uh, financial crisis that occurred and looked at North Dakota as an outlier because we really escaped the whole you know 2008-9 great recession and uh, did not experience much if any of that at all in North Dakota um And so we started uh, being looked at on a, uh, you know, national level. Um, A lot of states said, why is North Dakota, you know, uh, sitting out this recession? And, you know, concluded right or wrong that, uh, well, it's because they have their own state-owned bank. Um, And, of course, we were right in the middle of, right in the beginning of, you know, this big energy boom which really was i think the the thing that set us apart from the rest of the country at that time but we started getting a lot of looks from around the country and you know that has uh, been continuous i would say through today a lot of states are looking at this in fact you may have noticed that california did pass a law allowing political subdivisions to create their own their own banks um And so I would say that, uh, you know, a political uh, a public uh, banking institution has uh, institute has been started uh, in the last decade. So this this has created uh, a lot of interest around the country. Uh, I, I, you know, never thought that I would say that there would be another state-owned bank. But, um, you know, I'm beginning to believe that. this is going to happen um it certainly is happening uh in california i've been to a number of states um not necessarily advocating for a creation of their own state owned bank but certainly to help them understand and appreciate what the bank of north dakota has done for you know the state of north dakota so you know, I think it is an idea that um, is building some momentum now, uh, and we'll we'll see where it goes.
0: So, Eric, what you're telling me is a 100-year-old bank is a trendsetter?
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I would say uh, that's true, that, you know, the the examples that we've talked about, you know, over the last few minutes, um, I think people understand that, you know, um, what other states do with their deposits, you know, they, they put them out on bids to other um Uh, You know, their state treasurer would take their excess money and instead of putting it into a state-owned bank, they would put it out on bids to, you know, investment bankers, to banks, and and they would go out and buy CDs or they would go out and buy, you know, securities, um, U.S. treasuries, you know, whatever it is to get a return uh, for their state. But what we do is we plow it back into North Dakota. We take those excess funds and we plow them back into North Dakota instead of, you know, buying, um, you know, U.S. treasuries and corporate bonds. um, We invested in North Dakotans. We invested in students. We invested in business owners. We invested in ag producers. And, uh, you know, I would tell you that, you know, the Bank of North Dakota, you know, from any kind of financial metric um stands you know with the best of them in terms of our return on equity return on assets um um so that's how that's how we look at it um and i you know i I understand the issues with other states i understand those headwinds um but you know for us it works and we've had the benefit of Figuring out how how to make it work over a hundred
0: years. You know, Eric, I I want to take this opportunity to thank you and your team. Um, this has been very enlightening. Um, hopefully, our listeners uh, gathered something from it as well. But um, you know, it's it's so amazing to me to see that you know the Bank of North Dakota has has always stepped up um, in times of crisis for our state. Um, and it uh, and it's as is the North Dakota way, you always seem to do it behind the scenes. Um, I want to thank you so much for sharing some of the stories today. And uh, on behalf of the Fargo-Moorhead West Fargo Chamber, our region, our entire state, uh, we want to thank you for the role that you play in our community and for making the best even better. So, Eric, thank you so much for your time today. I very much appreciate it. Yeah,
1: well, thank you for the opportunity. And, and, you know, on behalf of you know, all of our employees, I would just say that, you know, we understand our role and we get to wake up every day knowing that, you know, we get to make a difference um, in people's lives in North Dakota. And it, it really is what, you know, gets us up and motivated is that, you know, we are a bank uh, for goods that can, can help North Dakota, you know, um, in its mission to, to be a better state. So
0: Thank you again, Eric, and thank you for listening. Remember that your Chamber of Commerce is here for you. If you're not familiar with us, I invite you to reach out or visit our website at fmwfchamber.com to learn more about how we represent businesses and professionals in our region. There are several exciting initiatives and events coming up. Thank you again so much for tuning into this episode, and I can't wait until we can chat again very soon.